Hey, Chef Dean here. Gotta tell you about Rosa Grande pepperoni for your pizzas. These little beauties feature a cool cup and char look and a premium taste. They'll bring your customers back like they were boomerangs. Check them out at HormelCupAndChar.com. Welcome to Table Talk, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the dynamic and exciting restaurant world. We sit down with industry leaders as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping food service operators learn how to affect positive change and grow their business. Now, here is your host, editor and publisher of Food Service and Hospitality Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome as my guest on Table Talk, Nick DiDonato. Nick is the president and CEO of the Liberty Entertainment Group, creators of numerous landmark establishments in both Toronto and Miami. Liberty Entertainment has become recognized as one of the most successful and innovative companies in the hospitality and entertainment industry. Liberty Entertainment continues to gain success and acknowledgement for developing an impressive roster of unique venues. These include Toronto's premier special event facilities, Casa Loma, Liberty Grand Entertainment Complex, as well as some of the city's most prolific restaurants, including Blue Blood Steakhouse, Don Alfonso 1890, Zango, a new concept with Claudio Prile, and three Chibo wine bars, as well as the city's most vibrant nightlife venue, Arcane. In addition, Liberty Entertainment Group operates several international properties, including the Coral Gables Country Club and Chibo Wine Bar, in Coral Gables, Florida. Nick earned his Bachelor of Science and a Professional Engineering degree from the University of Toronto and has a wealth of design and construction experience. Good afternoon, Nick, and welcome to Table Talk. Rosanne, how are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. And I'm so pleased that uh, we managed to find some time to have you today. So thank you for sharing some of your day with us. I know that um, one of the times, I mean, I see you quite often in in Toronto, obviously, but one of the last times that we talked from a magazine perspective was in the heyday of the pandemic, uh, now almost two years ago, when we did a webcast with a few restaurateurs in the city and and outside the city to talk about um, the effects of the pandemic. Now, luckily, that was a long, long time ago and, and what seems another life. Um, But I thought maybe we could start today with having you give us a little bit of an update of where you're at today, two and a half years after the pandemic, and now that things are back open, and I don't want to say totally normal, but getting on the road to recovering. How are you doing? Uh, Well, actually, Roseanne, we're doing great. We've gotten through uh, the pandemic, and I've said to many people, if uh, this didn't kill us, nothing will. Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, very uh, detrimental to the hospitality industry worldwide in Canada and, and the U.S. Uh, we as, as an organization have survived through it. And you know, for the, for the past two years, uh, what has happened is I've collaborated with a lot of my uh, uh, colleagues in, in the industry to uh, work with the government. And you were involved in some of that in terms of helping us get through uh, the pandemic and the support we needed. Uh, we were successful in doing that, and and as a result, you know, thanks to the Canadian government, they they did step to the plate and, and support the restaurant industry uh, to allow us to get through. Uh, we're uh, we're doing very well right now. I think uh, we're uh, 
beyond pre-pandemic numbers in terms of the income. We find that people, uh, as a result of the uh, of the pandemic, have realized how important the hospitality industry is to all of their lives. So it's not taken for granted anymore, and they, they appreciate it more and uh, appreciate the, our, our uh, overall team and staff and, and, and the things that we do to contribute to their everyday life. So, you know, there are some some positives that have come out of the uh, out of this pandemic. And I think both, both from a from a personal perspective, in, in my case, and professional perspective, I'm, uh, you know, I've evolved and become a different person in terms of how I look at things and, and how, how we do things and how much we appreciate the, the, uh, the things that we take for granted on an everyday, uh, everyday life. So that's interesting. So you feel that you've evolved as well as the restaurants out there. Um, what would be some of, I guess, a few examples of that evolution for you, both from a restaurant perspective? I know a lot of restaurants had to pivot and change their strategy moving forward. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that first. What did you have to change as a restaurant company in how you run your business? Well, you know, we've had to be a, a little more effective in, in terms of how we do things and, and really focus on effectiveness and uh, ensuring there is no, uh, no fat, let's say, in terms of the organization. Every dollar counts, every cent counts. Uh, we've uh, focused on going back to uh, our, our core elements in terms of service, in terms of product and quality, in terms of delivering a, a great product and, and refocusing on that. Many people just before the pandemic were only focused on growth and, and grow, growing very quickly and exponentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we weren't uh, doing that at the time. We were uh, working on a slow growth, but we will continue to, to work on that slow growth and, 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 and evolve as an organization. But uh, I, I think you know, what uh, one thing that comes out of it for me is that, you know, in, in the hospitality industry, there's a lot of people who are working for us. And it's a labor intensive industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a mutual respect in terms of uh, the people that work for us, the long term employees and, uh, you know, our, our, our team and, and what they do. And, and uh, they've helped us get through the pandemic. We've helped them. So there's a mutual respect as a result. So that's interesting. Um, I, I know that your restaurant also pivoted to different things like the marketplace that you were doing and some of wine delivery. Are, are all of those features that you started during the pandemic, have you kept those going or have those now kind of gone back to the back burner um, where you're focusing on the core business? Well, to be quite honest, not all of them are, 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 have continued. Some of them we regret even having to have done because I, I use one very specific example. Uh, during the pandemic, we were selling our wines uh, outside of the, the restaurant, which, which made a lot of sense. We're still making income, uh, you know, with those wines, selling them and delivering them to homes. But unfortunately, it somehow, you know, somewhat has depleted our, our wine sellers. And so some <laughs> of the wines. We had to sell, which were fantastic wines, and obviously we did sell them, are not available on our menu anymore to move forward. And, and you know, I would wish I had some of those 97 Sasakayas uh, in, in, that I had sold because, uh, it, you know, they get to enjoy them in my restaurant with food and service that we provide. So some things have, uh, you know, uh, have continued. Uh, our takeout program is, is still very strong. Uh, but uh, we've had to uh, come back and refocus on what we're doing, uh, and mainly because of the labor shortage that we faced. That was our biggest challenge coming out of the uh, the pandemic. So doing all those ancillary things were the 
uh, very difficult than trying to open a restaurant. So we have to cut back on a lot of those and come back and focus on our core business, which is customers sitting in our restaurants, enjoying meals and enjoying our environment. So that's become our focus again. So Nick, you touched on the labor shortage and obviously this is probably the most challenging issue for the industry these days. And I mean, I've been covering the industry for more years than I want to admit, and labor's always been a challenge to some degree, but never to the, um, to the scale that it is today. How are you dealing with that as, as an operator? Because I know when I'm talking to operators, some of them are having to reduce their hours of operation, whether it maybe is a day part or closing the restaurant for a day or two um, because of this issue. What have you had to do to, to deal with this? Much like the other operators, we've, we've had to really focus on our core business and core times of, of operation. So we have closed Mondays and Tuesdays and, and some of our venues, we've closed some lunchtime, you know, Monday, Tuesday lunches. So we've looked at where uh, we could, you know, reduce some of those hours in order to maximize the uh, staff that we have. And, and I use Don Alfonso as an example, our newest restaurant. We're open five days a week, Tuesday to Sunday. We're sold out every single night. We could probably sell out Monday and Tuesday as well. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have the, the team to do that, to bring a whole other team and not be able to give our team two days of, of rest would be uh, 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 you know, a, a very difficult challenge. So we've, we've decided that's the direction we'll stay for a while. And as things sort of... Uh, sort of come back to normal should they come back and I believe they will eventually uh, you know we will probably open again but the the biggest thing is is reducing some of the hours and and, and stay open those core hours where you know uh, you have the, the the largest volume and uh, you know the, the best return on, on on your your investment of time and staff and when you're looking for staff as every restaurant does at some point where where are you looking these days because there has been, you know, so many people leaving the industry. Um, are you worried about the future of the industry in terms of supplying, you know, those essential employees for your business? Well, I think it's a short-term concern, and and that I we found that there's a, a large uh, component of a younger staff in in our organization as well. So we don't have the seasoned veterans who've been with us five or six years, and we've lost some of those people who have moved on from this industry into another uh, as a result of COVID and as a result of not being able to work. And, uh, you know, once they make a change of environment, perhaps uh, they prefer working days as opposed to having to work weekends. But, uh, you know, the the new youth, I, I believe, will uh, embrace this industry. Uh, I know that I've embraced it because it is that kind of industry. You either love it or, or, or you don't. And if you don't like to work nine to five and have a, a job at a desk and you want to work in an industry where it's vibrant, where it's lively, where you engage with people on a daily basis, then you come to the hospitality industry. And I, I think, you know, the youth will always be there to do that. And, and perhaps, uh, you know, in, in this day, Canada and Toronto become more uh, as uh, they are in Europe or this becomes more of a profession. I think in terms of the education education programs that are out there from George Brown and uh, the Toronto Metropolitan University, uh, they have specific programs and uh, large uh, focus programs uh, 
for hospitality. They're starting to do it in high school. So it, it is becoming more of a career than it ever was. We've had this little hiccup, but I think the new people coming into it will look at this and say, it is a career. It is something we can proud, be proud of, uh, whether it's uh, front of house or back of house and, and, uh, and, and, and make a good living at it while enjoying the work that you're doing. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, during the pandemic, everybody really missed restaurants. I mean, we all felt it. We all felt, you know, being stuck in our homes without the usual um, sources of entertainment for us was really, really difficult for most people. Do you think that the pause, while it gave people a better appreciation for the industry, do you think it gave operators a different appreciation of how vital workers are and workers care, employee care do you think it helped change a lot of operators and how they looked at the employee? Uh, well, I, I think there's a balance. I think uh, the employees will look at the operators and say how valuable we are to them because we don't have the operations moving forward then they were out of the job and vice versa. We, we would look at our, our team and, and the people who uh, stuck with us and, 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 and got through the difficult time. We appreciate that much more. So I, I think it's sort of uh, evolved in terms of the people that, that we have with us and stayed uh, true to the brand and true to the industry. Uh, we uh, respect and appreciate them much more, absolutely. So Nick, when we were talking earlier about how the restaurants were forced to change during the pandemic, how do you feel you've changed through the pandemic? I think the pause has given us all uh, a different appreciation of what's important and what's not, but I think it's forced us to look at our lives a little bit differently. How did, what did it do for you in terms of your own personal life? Well, you know, from, from my perspective, it gave me two years to uh, embrace my family a little more, more so than I have. So much appreciated. We've become much closer as a result. Uh, but, you know, now that it's, we're back and open again, we appreciate it that time, but it's, uh, it's, it's a tough industry. And if you, uh, you decide that it's, uh, it's uh, life, work balance and supposed to work life balance, uh, then it might not be the industry for you because regardless, we're back, uh, back in, in operations. And I've actually had to work harder in the past few months than I've ever worked before mm -hmm. uh, because of the labor shortage, because of having to open 10 restaurants as if I'm opening 10 restaurants all over again. So it was, you know, one of those things to say, great, great to be at home, great to be away from work. But the reality is, in this industry, if you're not passionate and you're not committed, then uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. So I've appreciated the time and more time with my family. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're back at it. We have to be back to work. And uh, uh, I, I think anybody that's in a restaurant now understands that and, and realizes, look, uh, it's, it's a strong that will be successful. And those that are not, uh, you know, me carded. And it's like you got to work when you need to work. It doesn't matter what time it is and when it is. So. Sure. Yeah. So when I look at your um, product, your offerings of product, you've got so much diversity in your portfolio. You've got venue, you know, venue event, uh, event venues. You've got Casaloma that you're directing there on the food service side. And you've got the fine up you know, upscale restaurant like Don Alfonso, which you uh, recently moved. I guess this is now the third iteration of the restaurant. Um, and it's been beautiful wherever it's been, but you just opened in the Weston Harbor Castle, uh, I guess about a month ago. Um, tell me a little bit about that restaurant and what, I guess, fueled the, the move. I, I know some people know about what fueled it, but some of our listeners might not be as familiar. So tell us about what prompted 
that restaurant to go from um, downtown Toronto to Casa Loma and now down to the lake? Uh, well, really, it was all the pandemic and, and the, uh, the support that we were receiving from the government. So our, our, our Toronto Street location was doing very well for us. And we had just opened and uh, we had received we were receiving accolades in terms of what we were doing, and how we're moving forward. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, with the, the first round of subsidies from the government basically said if your rent's more than $50,000, you got zero subsidy. Uh, so that restaurant, because it was not only the Don Alfonso restaurant, it had the uh, event space upstairs, which was the Rosewater Room, uh, we fell into that category. So we were getting absolutely zero support from the government. And uh, when you're talking over 50000 a month and you're talking six months, uh, you know, it's, the numbers add up very quickly. Uh, the landlord did not want to cooperate and uh, provide us any subsidy. They wanted their rent. And uh, we had to make some very, very difficult business decisions at the time. And I had to do that with every one of my organizations, every one of my restaurants. And so at the time, basically, I said that the restaurant can't be self-sufficient and sustain itself for the long term. Uh, we're not going to be taking money from other restaurants to, uh, right. to keep that restaurant going. I mean, it's a, it would be a house, house of cards. So we have made a very, uh, you know, distinct decision to say we need to uh, pull the plug on this restaurant. Uh, we thought the brand was fantastic, thought it was doing incredibly well, but mm -hmm. we could not invest another two million just to hold on to, to see if this restaurant would continue. And without any end in sight at the, in the pandemic, it was just a, a difficult choice to make. And it was one that was the right choice uh, for two reasons. Uh, as a result of that, my other landlords for all my other restaurants looked at me and when I said, if you don't give us a subsidy and don't work with us, we will pull the plug. They understood that, that we were serious about this. And, right. you know, because we had so many restaurants, there's no, there, it, there wasn't another one restaurant that's doing really well supporting, you know, one that's not doing well. This was we were all at the same level. Uh, so uh, difficult decisions. But mm -hmm. we found a window of opportunity at Casaloma because during the pandemic, we were not allowed to have uh, large events. And so our event space at Casaloma was available. We had the kitchen at Casaloma, which had to be modified, but we had the catering kitchen. And we believed strongly in the brand and, and how well it could do that we wanted to keep it uh, going. So we were able to move it into our event space at Casaloma when we could not do events. Uh, we knew that was a pop-up restaurant. We identified it as that because we did have contra contractual obligations for all our weddings and are sold out every you know, three, four right. nights a week right now. Uh, so we knew it was only up until the pandemic was open. Uh, and we started to search for the right location for the restaurant. So I did uh, actively in the midst of all the crisis that was going on and all the things that were happening to the industry as opposed to saying we're closing down the brand and 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 uh, you know hunkering down and uh, you know cowering, uh, my position was I'm I'm moving forward. We're going to come out of this, and when we do, we're going to take Don Alfonso and bring it back, bring it back okay. stronger than ever. And uh, hence the uh, Western Harbor Castle uh, restaurant was available through the failure of another restaurant because of COVID. And you know adversity sometimes brings opportunities, and and in this case here. Uh, we are in the best location we've ever been. Uh, the views are spectacular. The restaurant is, I'd say, one of the most beautiful in Canada, if not North America. And it's a, it's a world-class restaurant and we have world-class dining and, and, and culinary expertise. So it, it, it's resonating. As I said, we're sold out. We're sold out a month in advance in, in a fine dining restaurant, which is fantastic. And, and, and you know, it, 
as I said, sometimes the, the good comes from those negative things. We weren't sure where. And, you know, when I closed down the, the Don Alfonso on Toronto Street, it was a $3 million decision. I had decided to lose a $3 million right. invested into this restaurant uh, to bring it to where it was and say, we're just handing in the keys and moving on. Uh, you know, sometimes you need to cut your losses. It's a business decision. And it was the absolute right decision for us as an organization to make at the time. And we've come through and, and survived through the COVID. You must have lost a lot of sleep over that decision. That's a tough one as an operator. It was a tough one for two reasons. One, because obviously we had invested, you know, the millions of dollars and just had opened a few months earlier. Uh, but two, because we knew the brand was going to be successful. We knew uh, that uh, Toronto had gravitated to what we were doing and were enjoying uh, the the, uh, the venue and, and, and business was, was good. So now we had to shut down something that was positive. But again, it wasn't, you know, looking at another $2 million investment just to keep the doors to be able to open again, which, which just didn't make any sense. Were you concerned at all that with the pandemic changing everybody's uh, approach to dining, that maybe a fine dining restaurant at this time might not work as well as maybe five years ago before the pandemic? Did that concern you at all? Well, that's one of the reasons we made that decision, because, you know, at the time of the decision, uh, we'd have to spend another couple of million just keeping the place afloat to the end of the pandemic. And that's what we had estimated. Uh, and coming out of pandemic, not knowing where people would be and where they would gravitate to. I believe that, that they, they would come back, uh, but it wasn't a certainty. And uh, to be quite honest, it's almost the polar, of what we, the polar opposite of what we expected. People are looking more for that fine dining than ever before. So, and, and we're seeing that the high end fine dining, the experiential restaurants, people want that experience. They've come out of COVID after two years. They wanted to celebrate. They're drinking uh, more wine, the best champagnes <laughs> and spending more money than ever before. Hey guys, it's Chef D. I'm here to tell you about Primoral Bacon Flavored Crumbles. These little bundles of wonder add real bacon flavor anywhere on the menu without crazy high bacon prices. Get a sample at BaconCrumbles.com and see for yourself. Is the restaurant open for lunch as well or just dinner? Uh, again, uh, we will be open for lunch when the labor force uh, uh, provides us the opportunity to do so. Right now we're staying focused on five days a week in the evening. So we have one core team who can provide the expertise that is needed to deliver the kind of quality food and experience we want. Right. And, and Nick, I understand you've just opened or announced the opening of another restaurant to add to your expanding portfolio. That's pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, as we believe Toronto would come back and, and be strong, and we believe Toronto is one of the, the greatest cities from a culinary perspective in, in North America. I think Michelin coming to this town uh, exemplifies that and will showcase the restaurants we have. Uh, so we have a lot of confidence in Toronto in the hospitality market. Uh, again, some of the adversity provides opportunity. While well, we started negotiating leases for the blue bovine in the midst of COVID when there were, were opportunities and the landlords were looking for, for the right operators for their, for, their, uh, uh, for their premises. So we were able to negotiate a, 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 a great op a deal and a great opportunity for us to move into a new restaurant. Uh, We've chosen the core and downtown core because we haven't been in, in the core and uh, the financial district before with a, uh, a, a restaurant which would target that market. 
uh, we're in the Union Station, which really uh, lends itself to what we uh, gravitate to, which are historic sites in Old Liberty mm -hmm. Grand, Castle Elm, even our Rosewater property. So it is a historic site. So we're very versed in dealing with Heritage uh, Toronto and creating spectacular venues where we can take the the, the ad advantage of a heritage site because nobody can create those anymore and juxtaposing that with a modern element and, and a modern twist in terms of how we do our interiors. Uh, location is fantastic. We're, we're in the financial district just below the Royal, the, the Royal Bank Towers, the, the Commerce Court and every bank mm -hmm. tower and uh, major facility. Uh, we're across from uh, the uh, Royal, uh, Royal York Hotel, directly across from Royal York Hotel. So uh, you know, accessible from the, from a tourist perspective. But one thing that uh, drew us to, to uh, this property was the uh, the restaurant is situated on the the uh, northeast corner of the building. So our windows face across Front Street and is accessible right from Front Street. Nice. So the access from the street, so people can come come from uh, afar on our weekends and not have to be in the core, and, and people can get to us from the buildings and so on underground. So accessible. Uh, and the great location, great structure. From that, we, in terms of determining where we wanted to be, our Blue Blood, uh, Blue Blood restaurant do, does extremely well as a steakhouse. Uh, been one of our most successful restaurants, uh, and uh, we felt there was a, a need and, and still a desire for that kind of restaurant in, in Toronto. Uh, but uh, we looked at the demographics in the area and, and the Currently in downtown Toronto, I'd say 50, 51 to fifty-two percent of the uh, the, the uh, workforce is, is women, and uh, more so women in the higher levels of management at this point, much more so than ever before. And so uh, we didn't want to be this uh, old sit and gentleman's club of a steakhouse, and, and right. so it's a steakhouse, steak and sushi house, a lot more, or a lot more fish and sushi. Uh, gearing towards a, a very different aesthetic than a, a, an old steakhouse. And so it would be very vibrant, new, contemporary, in a classic building, easily accessible, and uh, a pretty a wide range of food options on the menu. And so when is that scheduled to open? Uh, we're going to add openings uh, late spring, early summer of 2023. It's really amazing that just coming out of the pandemic, when everybody has been pummeled and, and devastated, you're going out there and opening a new restaurant. That's very bold and brave. I, I kudos to you for doing that. That has to take a lot of a lot of courage. Uh, I, you know, if you asked me this question two years ago, I wouldn't be thinking I was doing this. But you know, uh, we believe in the hospitality. Uh, I, I lost two years of my work. Uh, my uh, my work time so i figure i got to make it up fairly quickly and and, uh, and and build new restaurants look there was opportunities in terms of the uh, the landlords uh wanting to be more engaging wanting the right operator we are one of those strong operators and, and one of a kind and and you know what we did as, as, a, as a, a group and this is by by design uh, we we've decided to go into the very upscale market and why because we are probably the best at in class in doing that kind of thing. So with the Don Alfonso brand, with the Blue Blood brand, uh, if you want a signature restaurant with a uh, great operator, then Liberty Entertainment Group is it. And so we, we've proven that with, you know, the, the accolades we're getting at Don Alfonso. And I think we'll prove that with uh, what we do at Blue Bovine. Uh, and we're, 
very fortunate that we have a, an, an award-winning designer. I mean, a world-class designer on our team uh, happens to be, uh, luckily for me, my wife. So I'm <laughs> sure she, she does a great job. Continues to work with. Well, she was. Uh, we were in uh, during the pandemic, uh, right in the middle of it. We were in uh, in Capri, and it was an award dinner for the best, the uh, designer of the decade in right. the hospitality industry. She was one of uh, uh, six that were nominated, and uh, she was the only independent. Everybody else came from a very large organization, mm-hmm. worldwide organization. So it was great. And uh, uh, when you look at what Nadia has done with his blue bovine, and we're extremely excited about. The uh, the outcome because with the restaurants been designed now it's, but we're in the building stage so uh, it's really really exciting. Well, I'll look forward to seeing that when it when it opens in a few months. Um, and and I know it's difficult too because in your repertoire you also have restaurants outside the country and you know it's it's tough at the best of times to run a bunch of restaurants when you're in the same city. It must be really challenging when it's in Florida. I mean, how do you how do you juggle that? Uh, well, we've been focused in Toronto mostly right now. I have my nephew who's running the Florida operation. So uh, it, when you couldn't move out of the country for two years, just in terms of travel, it was difficult. We made some challenging decisions that way too. So I focused back into Toronto market. Uh, I've had to say we're, we're, we're focusing on the core business, which is here in Toronto. And that's why we're growing here uh, quickly as opposed to anywhere else in the market. I'm here. This is our home base. And uh I, I think we're going to continue to do that for a while. And Nick, how's the special event market doing for you? I know you do a lot of weddings and parties and huge social events. And I know obviously the last two years we haven't had any of that and weddings were canceled. Has that just taken off again? Like, is it just booming with weddings? I feel like everybody's getting married this summer. Oh, well, it, actually, absolutely. You know, we've had two years of uh, pent up demand plus this year. So we're really doing about three years worth of uh, weddings and events in, in a single year. And, and so people have moved away. Typically it was, you know, Friday, Saturdays, and you'd get some Sundays. Now we're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's great. Out at all the venues. So it's uh, from a special events and a uh, business, mainly the wedding business. It's been the, uh, uh, the best years ever for us in terms of the volume of business we're doing. So very fortunate that way. And, uh, you know, we are making up for some lost time as a result. So Nick, um, in terms of, you mentioned a little while ago, uh, the Michelin guide, and there's been a lot of talk and excitement in Toronto that, you know, Michelin is finally coming to Toronto. And I think on September 13th, uh, there'll be the big announcement of which restaurants are part of the guide. And I know now Vancouver has also gotten the Michelin guide. So there's a lot of expectation and hope and excitement built around there. Um, with Don Alfonso and the types of restaurants and the types of restaurants that you run, what are your expectations for, for Michelin in terms of where you'll be? Well, you know, I, I would hope that we will, we will garner a, a star and I hope we're deserving of, of one. Uh, we know that we have the pedigree in our brand. That's one of the reasons I partnered with a, a Michelin, a three-star Michelin chef from Italy, uh, Alfonso Iacurlino and his son Ernesto, mm-hmm. who's a two-star Michelin chef. Uh, you know, part of that was, you know, understanding the culture of Michelin and they understand where and how they have to, uh, to reach that goal. Uh, we're hoping we've done that here. Uh, today, we've received, uh, you know, incredible international accolades, uh, the Rona Awards, Lalise, uh, we were named the, the 
best Italian restaurant in the world outside of Italy by 50 top Italy. So coming from an organization outside of Italy saying which, which are the best restaurants abroad, Don Alfonso was number one and given the best meal of the year. So we, we hope, we think we have, uh, you know, uh, risen to the challenge. Uh, we've done our homework in terms of what is, what is expected and required. Uh, we've, um, you know, we've really honed our skills in terms of how to do it as tr from training chefs from Italy to train our, our front of house staff. Uh, the challenging part is we've just come out of COVID and we are just in a brand new facility and just opened a month ago. So right. uh, to have that Michelin rating uh, within two months of opening is, uh, first of all, probably pretty well unheard of. You'd never have that happen. Uh, they may make exceptions this year because uh, because of the nature of the, of the, the pandemic and where we were. So I'm hoping that we're not going to be negated just because we haven't op been open long enough. Uh, and we have had a, a previous uh, area. So we're looking forward to it. I'm pretty anxious about it, I have to admit, because, you know, I believe that the Michelin Guide is, is really one of those uh, uh, true guides, much better than many of the other ones that are out there. When you read top restaurants, best restaurants, and so on, many of the guides are just more about uh, popularity contest. And I think Michelin has criteria that they look for from from their team. It's a very structured process and how they do it and how they rate you. So I, I, I believe in the guide and I'm hoping we are, uh, we are uh, worthy of a start. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So as a way to wrap up, because I know you've got a million things on your plate and I don't want to keep you too long. Um, what have been some of the biggest lessons for you that you've learned in the last two years? I mean, you're such a great entrepreneur and you've done so many great things in Toronto over the last 25 years. And I'm sure you have a lot of brilliant ideas of other projects that will come down the road. But um, the last two years must have really devastated you in so many areas. And, and I'm just wondering what have been some of the biggest lessons that have really, um, you know, made you made you consider things differently? Uh, well, listen, I, I think perseverance and, and, and focus uh, to me, you know, I shifted from running an operation with a thousand employees to being shut down completely. And as opposed to just sitting there crying about it, I said, well, where, where can I focus on now to, to get through this? And so I looked at a couple of different things. And as I mentioned earlier, I focus on the government. I, I spent almost a year of my life in government relations and dealing with the, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau and the finance minister directly and Doug Ford and, and the finance minister and, and John Tory. So I've had those discussions, personal discussions and reached out and tried to have an impact because I figured this is the most impact that I can make. I can't be in business, but I can help the, you know, have these people understand the necessity and the, the needs of the hospitality industry. So sure. for a very, very, you know, specific time in my life, that's all I did. Uh, and it was, uh, I, I think I, 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 hopefully I was instrumental in getting some of the things changed. I know that the, the, uh, the $50,000 cap that uh, actually brought down the Rosewater was changed three months later as a result of me identifying, here's what's happening if you don't make these changes. And so, right. you know, to me, it was perseverance and focus and focus on how to get through things. And, uh, you know, I, I, from being a restaurateur to being a, a lobbyist, and uh, you know, you, you do what it takes, you do what it takes to, to get you through. If you persevere and stay focused, uh, you know, and, and, and keep positive, which I have, you know, through that whole process, I negotiated 
know, two new restaurants and we're in, in the midst of, of uh, COVID and my restaurants are all closed down. So it's always uh, optimistic, being positive, keep on focusing and do what you can do and hopefully things uh, come together as, as they have. Do you think there's a better appreciation of the hospitality industry these days by government and by others? I, I think overall, yes, because, you know, the, the, one of the sectors was hurt most in, in, of any industry, ob- obviously the, the healthcare industry, you see, they're still in, the, in, in a disaster and a catastrophe, much more so than, than we are. The hospitality industry was, was uh, devastated, but people were devastated not to be able to go out and celebrate. And so even when they're celebrating at home and you look at how quickly people, uh, you know, veered from what they're regular habits were, all of a sudden they were ordering Blue Blood Steakhouse for their home delivery because they needed to celebrate, they needed to celebrate something special and the hospitality industry would still continue to do that even if you're locked up at home. So there was a need, people appreciated, people wanted to be there and look, they've been celebrating for the past few months in terms of, you know, being happy to be back at our restaurants. Well, you've done a a fabulous job. I know it's been a really, really tumultuous time for all restaurant operators, but you've been at the forefront just fighting for the industry and advocating and uh, putting yourself out there and you've done a fabulous job. And I hope I hope this is the, the first and only time we've been locked down and we, we are out of that phase for forever, hopefully. But um, congratulations on everything you've done and wishing you well with the Michelin coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, I'll be there to see what happens. So thanks so much, Rosanna. Look forward to continue to work with you in the hospitality industry. And thank you for always supporting not just us, but the entire hospitality industry with your publications and your 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 podcast. It's important to get people out there and understand what we do and how we do it and how important we are to uh, to the general population. So thank you for what you do. Well, it's my pleasure. And thanks again for sharing your day with us, Nick. Take care and good luck on those new restaurants. Thank you so much. Nice to see you. Take care. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Table Talk Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, foodserviceandhospitality.com. Until next time.